Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Our co-host this week, once again, is Chris O'Brien. This is starting to become a habit. After a while on the Paracast, we may have you on more often, like in another year or so. Okay. Anyway, on last week's episode, I think was one of the most heralded in recent memory. We featured one hour with the one, the only, Dr. Jacques Vallée. And I figure, you know, we really promoted this to a fair thee well. Loads of messages, anticipatory messages on our forums. And then we have the show. Record number of downloads, more listeners than ever. How many messages in our forums about the episode? One. It was on an unrelated thread about, uh, actually, about the book. Uh, someone said, oh, hey, you guys, uh, Jacques Vallée was on. Good show. You know, it's not like we need uh, any sort of accolades or, I don't know, some sort of validation. Or anything. you know, people telling us. Hey, folks, yeah. you're doing a good job salvaging our No, we don't need that. Ghost. We just want to we want to promote we want to promote uh, creative thinking and and I think uh, uh Valet came up with some very interesting insights and some uh, I think uh he kind of put his neck stuck his neck out a little bit uh, talking about the abduction uh phenomenon and his feelings about it and I was sure that that would at least generate one or two guffaws but but no. That's very interesting. You know, we already know about that article that was in UFO magazine about one particular abduction, shall we say, fiasco. Got to be very controversial. We've avoided having the person involved, the so-called victim, on this show because of that. But I figured after Dr. Valet was basically saying that some of the techniques used in abduction research really don't pass muster, especially hypnotic regression. Forget about doing it on the telephone from 12,000 miles away. But, you know, a lot of criticisms there. I figured, well, nobody responded. I don't know, Gene. I don't don't know. You know, sometimes we have, um, I guess, kind of innocuous guests on, and it creates, uh, you know, two, three (laughs) hundred responses on the forums. And then you get arguably the most notable personage in the field uh, on, and... uh, it's like we never did the show. Oh, well. What can you do? A lot of people were listening, and certainly a lot of people were downloading and listening to copies from our network, GCN. So we know the audience is out there, but maybe everyone agrees with Dr. Valet? Okay. Well, maybe we're weeding out the, uh, the true believers, and, and we're, uh, we're just preaching to the choir. Well, I would think, you know, there's still some wackos left, and that we'd be hearing from the wackos. We don't hear as much from the wackos, even when... Discussions get very animated on our forums. You know, the wacko factor has diminished. I think people have realized after four and a half years, nearly five years of the Paracast, that when we say separating the signal from the noise, the noisemakers are gone. I mean, early on in our first year, after a couple of months, we featured the USA representative for a certain one-armed Swiss farmer who claims to be... A UFO contactee, the only legitimate UFO contactee. The only. No, no, you have to restate that. The only legitimate contactee. All the others are are either liars, hoaxers, fakers, or delusional. Or all of the above. important to underscore. All of the above. Right. Oh, well. But, you know, that we had basically, we had such a crazy thread. On the message forums, you know, like a thousand or two thousand messages, 
Finally, I had to put a stop to it. It got really out of hand. And sometimes these discussions reach a point where everybody is shouting at each other and there's no way to really have a meaningful dialogue. Yeah. Well, I guess you get the real uh, the real heavy hitters on and, and people just sit back and take notes and shake their heads and go, yeah, I need to uh, get back up to speed on uh, some things. Well, the one thing uh, Dr. Valet presents to you is the reminder that we haven't solved the UFO mystery. It's a hell of a lot more complicated than a lot of people might realize. You think E.T. landing on Earth is complicated, but it's a lot more than that. I'll say that's what the Paracast is all about. We're not here basically to preach a specific theory. Understand that. We're not here to say UFOs are E.T., not E.T., crypto-terrestrial from another dimension. We're saying the answers are still out there. We don't have them. It's too premature to go, hey, we know the answers. Let's figure how we're going to bring about disclosure. Let's figure out how we're going to engage in exopolitics to understand the political insights of E.T. Yeah, well, I think uh, today's show is going to take it into the realm of pop culture into the realm of how the media responds to this whole subject and how it has its own apparent agenda. And I think today's guest is a classic example of an open-minded, very up-to-speed individual who's extremely low-key in his involvement in the field. And we're very, uh, I think we're very fortunate and lucky to have Tracy Torme on, who is a co-author of a book with Jacques Vallée, uh, one of two novels that Vallée has written. And uh, Fast Walkers is uh, a must-read, I think, for anyone interested in the field and out-of-the-box thinking. And I'm really looking forward to getting Tracy's take on where we're at here in the culture with our view of this uh, very perplexing phenomenon. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I understand also, of course, that Tracy Torme, yes, folks, he is the son of the other Torme, although he's not a singer, or at least I don't think he is, but... He has a background also in science fiction. He was also the executive yes, story editor and a writer for Star Trek Next Generation. Hey, Trekkers, you know, this is a person who was there. He knew Captain McCard. He knew Data. He knew all them people. And he was the one that came up with the whole holodeck uh, <laughs> scenario with Dixon Hill and the 30s gumshoe uh, storylines, which I, I found particularly entertaining watching the show uh, years ago that was his idea yep oh that's fascinating yeah they took some of that idea to the movie Star Trek First Contact where they have the they they have the Borg in the holodeck and they recreate one of those scenes yep (laughs) Tracy I've known Tracy for years and he's he's just uh, he's a very interesting guy. He's one of the few people that's really firmly ensconced in the uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, mainstream, if you will. He has just umpteen credits uh, to his name. Uh, the show Sliders, uh, one of my favorite shows from the 90s, was completely his idea. He he pretty much was the moving force and motivating force behind getting that show on the air. Um, but he actually uh, took exception to the way the the network was starting to 
try to, you know, sort of horn in on the creative side of the show. And he disassociated himself with the show. And he almost did the same thing with the the Travis Walton uh, movie that he co-produced, uh, Fire in the Sky, when they changed around some of the uh, very important details of Travis's uh, experiences aboard the ship. Uh, he got into a bit of a tussle with the studio about that, and I'm sure we'll go into more detail on that with him on the episode. Yeah, that's part of the problem with Hollywood. You know, everybody wants to have their measure of control. Of power, They want to be able to say, hey, we did this, we did that. They tamper with everything, they fiddle with everything, and sometimes you wonder how films get made. And, you know, how few producers actually get the opportunity to basically do what they want to do. You know, for a George Lucas or a Steven Spielberg or a James Cameron, there's a hundred or a thousand other producer-directors who beg, borrow, steal, whatever, to get enough money to make a film and then the executives say, you know, do it this way, do it that way. And sometimes you get a mess. Yeah. Well, this will be a very, I think, educational and eye-opening show for folks out there that wonder how Hollywood gets uh, from point A to point Z. And, uh, and sometimes well, it's very convoluted. Perfect. We have Chris O'Brien's the yeah. co-host. Coming up in our next segment, we have producer, writer, editor Tracy Torme. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, Attack. of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwoods, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hi, this is Alex Jones. You've heard me talk about the delicious, easy-to-fix, and very storable foods from eFoodsDirect.com. I've told you for years that eFoodsDirect has the best storable food on the planet. Now it's that time of year again. 
and their holiday special is here. They have two holiday price packs for you to put into your reserves for a secure future or to share with others. The first is a six-month bulk supply in 10 cans. And the second is a five-week supply of quick and easy-to-fix meals, including delicious bakery items shipped in heavy tote bags. Now, for a limited time, when you order two or more of these special holiday packs, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. Call now, 800-409-5633, or visit them at efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. That's 800-409-5633, or efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? (laughs) The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com We are pleased to have Tracy Torme join us. He's a writer, producer, editor, and lots, lots more. Man about town who learned in the Orient the powers to cloud men's... No, that's not him. That's a guy named <laughs> Lamont, I think. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. And, Tracy, you're someone I've wanted to talk to a long time, especially because of one credit that you have, which is you work on Star Trek Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Okay, every Trekker in the nation wants to talk to you. <laughs> so tell me, what role did you play on that show? I was on the first two seasons. Uh, I wrote six episodes, and I produced... And uh, became the uh, personal protege, I guess, of Gene Roddenberry. He he really took me under his wing and taught me a lot and would show me a lot of kindness. So I was there from the ground floor, right from the beginning, and um, spent two seasons there. Okay, only two seasons. Any reason? Uh, I just kind of felt like I'd done my thing after two years and, and thought it was pretty much time to move on. I kind of tend to do that. So uh, I, I was really satisfied with the time there, and it was time to try something else. Okay, during those first two seasons, can you mention a couple of notable episodes we'd recognize, the real well, I wrote an episode that won. I wrote an episode that won a Peabody Award called The Big Goodbye, and it was the original uh, usage of the holodeck 
and it created a character called Dixon Hill that was kind of like an alter ego for Captain Picard. It's my chance to kind of do Raymond Chandler kind of writing. Um, that was a pretty memorable one, got a lot of notoriety. I did one called Conspiracy, which was also considered one of the darkest uh, Star Treks of all time. It caused a lot of controversy because it had kind of a downbeat, unhappy ending, which they weren't used to doing. Now, can you tell us uh, briefly in what way was it a downbeat ending? It actually, the ending sort of leaves an ominous tone that the bad guys perhaps maybe got the better of the Federation people. And it was left open to where they were still uh, formulating this sort of cabal inside of the Federation. And I remember I caught a lot of flack for, you know, originally for them not wanting me to do that ending because they just said, you know, our endings are usually happy and everyone's resolved and everything's fine at the end. And they weren't sure they wanted to open the can of worms of going in a darker direction. But I was really proud of them for doing that episode. And that was a, a favorite, personal favorite of mine. So, But I did six altogether. And um, it was a really, really great experience. It really was. Now, the Star Trek universe is kind of special, and, you know, we always think about the various generations of it. And now, of course, we've gone back to the beginning in an alternate reality with a new Star Trek that J.J. Abrams produced with mm -hmm. new people except for, of course, Leonard Nimoy. What was your reaction <laughs> to that movie? Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, it was definitely so different. It was so action. It was very action oriented. I was a little, I felt it was a, a little light on plot sometimes and a little heavy on the visuals. But I understand that it was a major, you know, expensive movie. Um, but there's so much room to play with in the Star Trek universe. There's just so many permutations and things to do with it. But I think there's room for everybody pretty much in it. And J.J. Abrams had his take. And uh, I remember some of the Trekkies were kind of upset with the uh, scene between, I guess it was with Spock and Uhura, I think it was, having a romantic situation or whatever. They thought that was, like, not true okay, to the Spock original. Spock and Uhura. Yeah. That caused, that ruffled some feathers, I remember. But, uh, but you know... Learning from sort of Gene Roddenberry's side like I did, I really got a handle on what he was really trying to say with all of his Star Trek stuff. And um, as has been said many times before, it was really an allegory about our times. And uh, it was a, just a way he, he told me he really wanted to do important stories and social relevance. And the only way to do that was to set them on another planet. And that's kind of what part of his Yeah. Now, as far as Gene Roddenberry, I've heard different stories about his personality that he was somewhat difficult to deal with. What did you find? Someone who he took under his wing. Yes, he could be very intimidating. You know, he was six foot four and a really hulking, large man with very piercing eyes. And I remember when I first met him, one of the first things he ever said to me was, so what do you plan on doing with my Star Trek? And I remember gulping and thinking, uh-oh, how in the world do I answer that, you know? <laughs> and uh, he, so he definitely was a very powerful figure. He knew what he wanted. He didn't compromise fools very well. Um, if you got on his bad side, you could be in a lot of trouble. Uh, and I witnessed some people really struggle with, with him. But I was very lucky. He was, uh, he was really good to me. I really went on to do sliders basically by on his inspiration. He's the one who 
said to me, you're going to create your own series one day, and then he kind of told me what some of the things I would expect that would come along with that. And he prepared me for the idea of creating my own show, and uh, probably wouldn't have necessarily even done that if it hadn't been for him. Sliders. Tell us about Sliders. We're talking about something that happened some years back. Maybe some of our listeners don't recall Sliders. Sliders was a story about people that are traveling from dimension to dimension, from parallel Earth to parallel Earth. The original concept was to, to be able to land on some planets where Earth has gone through a strange transformation and the South has won the Civil War or the Nazis have won the Second World War or that kind of thing, uh, all the way to what we used to call the bumblebee worlds, which were the ones where everything is exactly the same, but there's a different type of bumblebee, you know, and you just 99.9% of everything is the same. So you think you're back home, but you, you aren't, you know, so it was a great canvas to do, uh, again, sort of allegorical stories. And that's where I guess my Roddenberry influence came in. It was a double-edged sword to do that show because the people at Fox were extremely hands-on and always very nervous about the subject matter. I don't know if Fox has probably changed in the days since then, but at that time they were very worried about offending people and about kind of being politically correct. And we used to struggle and struggle and struggle. It was a constant struggle to try to do these sort of um, edgy shows that we really wanted to do that actually said something. Um, well, Fox is kind and, of strange. You know, of course, they had the X-Files, but mm -hmm. they also had Firefly, which they killed so quickly and destroyed so quickly, it never had a chance to flourish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was the big the big struggle we had was just getting on the same page with them. And they used to say we we did shows subversively. We would sneak things into shows that we weren't really supposed to do. So it was a constant battle for that. And um, the show ended up running five seasons, and it really jumped the shark, as they say. In the third season, it just it became a completely different show. I, I didn't even recognize it anymore. So I'd say the first two and a half seasons are one show, and the last two and a half seasons are another show. And um, there was a certain amount of frustration involved with doing it, but the ones that worked, I was really proud of. So uh, it just wasn't always a consistent thing. We have Tracy Torme. I'm Gene Steinberg, the co-host. Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors. In this ongoing, challenging economy, companies of all sizes must find new ways to cut costs. Every dollar saved helps the bottom line. That's why I recommend a web conferencing solution for your business. Go to Meeting. It helps improve overall business communications and efficiencies, not to mention improving the global economy. The easiest, most affordable for me is GoToMeeting, brought to you by Citrix. Reduce time on the road by presenting training and demonstrating online. Improve conference calls by collaborating in real time by sharing your screens. GoToMeeting is the best way to increase your productivity and cut costs. I've used GoToMeeting. It's great. My listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days. That's one month of unlimited online meetings free. For this special offer, go to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use their promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, promo code PODCAST, for the special free 45-day trial. Check it out. Still worrying? From GMO to organic food in jeopardy, divided by economic turmoil, there is still an answer. 
With just a little knowledge easily acquired, you will literally see food everywhere. Author Linda Runyon has these skills from having lived this way of life and created the tools so you could too. Wild food is economical, nutritious, freely available, abundant, and free for the taking. It is a skill that takes little time to learn, but stays with you for life. And now, for a limited time, it's all on sale. It's called the Buy Buy Old Website Sale. Can you guess what's coming? Absolutely everything's on sale across the board, including our already discounted packages. And you know, the holidays are coming up fast. We don't know if we're going to have another sale this year. This was the only one in 2010 so far. We've been lucky to keep our prices the same since 2008, but who knows what the future will bring. So go to ofthefield.com now or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and cross food off your to-do list. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Attention GCN listeners, do you have a Patriot on your Christmas list that's nearly impossible to shop for? How would you like the ability to get top-of-the-line, hard-to-find gifts at equally hard-to-beat prices without leaving the comfort of your home? Why fight the crowd? Simply log on to your computer for great gifts and deals for the -the off-the-grid enthusiast in your family. At offthegridchristmas.com, you'll find great prices on the most popular off-the-grid gifts available today. At offthegridchristmas.com, you'll find unbeatable deals on emergency backup power, herb and vegetable seeds, dehydrated foods, emergency evacuation packs, solar ovens, gun safes, and a host of truly unique stocking stuffers. In these hard times, why not give a gift that really counts a gift that could truly make a difference go to offthegridchristmas.com and our christmas video highlighting perfect gifts for the off the grid fans in your family unbeatable gear unbeatable prices no more searching offthegridchristmas.com that's offthegridchristmas.com the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio gcn great talk radio starts here This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Tracy, we want to tell you here that Chris, you know, has an assignment. His only assignment, he doesn't have to say anything in the show. He <laughs> just has to say, when I say you're in, he says... The Paracast. You're slow at this. <laughs> you know, you got to kind of pick up your off cue there. He needs a director, you know, a good director. Like, I named Spielberg, I understand it. No, he's not available. He's too expensive for us. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy Torme is our guest. We're talking about, first of all, his background in science fiction TV, Star Trek The Next Generation, Sliders. So half of Sliders was good, half Jumped the Shark. For those who in the civilian world who don't know what Jumped the Shark means, it relates back to a Happy Days episode, right? 
That I think that's right. Yes. Where they had some crazy thing there involving. Oh, forget it. <laughs> it's just basically the moment where all, almost all series seem to get off the main track and go down the wrong road. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. It's when suddenly exactly. they bring on all the special stars. No storylines <laughs> would bring on some famous star. It's not like, for example, Law and Order, which continued for, what, 20 seasons, and maybe it jumped the shark with the first episode, but they <laughs> kept it going through subsequent generations. There's even a Law and Order UK now, by the way. Oh, my God. And the Law and Order UK, Jamie Bamber from Battlestar Galactica, he plays one of the detectives. And then this woman from... Doctor Who, one of the Doctor Who assistants, plays an assistant DA or the UK equivalent. So that show never jumps the shark. Interesting. <laughs> I'm impressed, Gene. You really keep up with this stuff. Oh, please. You know, my mind is a steel trap. The problem <laughs> is here is that most of the time it's closed. <laughs> I, I turned my TV off about two and a half years ago, so I'm, I'm taking notes. Before we get into the more factual stuff, let's deal with a more recent show. You were a writer on Carnival, which was kind of an eclectic kind of show on one of the paid TV channels. Tell our listeners more about it. Well, it was an HBO show, and it was about a carnival that was uh, touring the Midwest, the Dust Bowl, back in the 30s. And it's really about good versus evil. It's sort of like there's two titanic forces that are surrounding the carnival and the uh, dark side and the light side. And um, so it was a chance to do some pretty powerful stories about the dual nature of man and uh, the the dark side that we all have, etc. And I was really intrigued by doing something set in that time period. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting time period, shortly shortly before World War II, etc. So it was a very challenging show. It was unlike anything I'd really ever written before, and I had a really good time with it, and um, very intensely sort of intellectual show compared to most television. How long did it last? How did the public react to it? It lasted two seasons. The public developed a pretty strong cult following for it. I mean, people that liked it really, really liked it. And there were cultish sort of uh, followings for it, the same way you've had with Star Trek and things like that. Ultimately, it was just too expensive. Uh, It was very expensive to do a show set in that period. And uh, after two years, HBO just didn't want to spend the money anymore. So uh, we all felt there was a lot more to tell there when it ended. But um, it was a, it was really a fun experience too. Who was in the show? What are the major stars that you might know from other TV series? Um, do you know Clancy Brown? Yeah, He's been in a million things. He was one of the stars. Uh, Adrian Barbeau was in it. Oh, right. uh, guy, uh, <laughs> a guy named. Uh, Nick Stahl, who has gone on to do a number of things. Um, It was kind of an ensemble cast, and they were sort of intentionally looking for some people whose faces weren't overly familiar. Um, And they they found a really great sort of gritty group of actors that uh, really helped to carry the show. So um, it was was really a consistent challenge to try to keep the level of writing high on it and to do things that were again sort of more intellectually based so whenever you get a chance where they they sort of uh, the network sort of lets you do things that make people think that's a very rare 
opportunity because they're always usually trying to dumb it down. And so when you when, when they take the reins off and they allow you to really explore some you know pretty far-reaching concepts, um, that's always you know bonus and gravy for writers. Well, just very briefly before we move on to more factual pursuits, in today's television, is there anything comparable in terms of originality, being able to tell a story without the typical limitations imposed by television networks? Well, I'm like Chris, I guess. I sort of stay away from television, uh, main network television, because... For, for my purposes, I don't like being influenced by something else. I don't like seeing something and then thinking, oh, that's a little bit like something else I'm working on or something I want to work on or whatever. So I pretty much have that hermit lifestyle when it comes to uh, media. I don't keep up with a lot of shows that you would expect that I would. Um, I really kind of have a very eclectic taste and, you know, only really watch the stuff that appeals to me. And so I'm very far behind on a lot of these shows. Um, and I'm not a great person to give an answer to that, but I guess. I know the feeling uh, people for years were asking me, what do you think of Lost? And I said, I don't know. I'm lost, man. What are you talking about? And then finally, me too. Me too. Yeah. Hulu came out uh, and I, I, just I decided, hey, what the heck, I'm going to check out a, uh, an episode of Lost. I watched the opening couple of episodes, and it didn't grab me, but, but I got through that. And then, um, boy, I'll tell you, over the next year, I devoured all those episodes. And I, I felt that it was a very, very interesting concept. Uh, I, I felt it kind of lagged in the last couple, couple, three seasons. But, boy, I'll tell you, those first, first three years are very, very uh, original, very fresh very interesting. One day, uh, I, one day I kind of figure that I'll catch up on a lot of this, that I'll just sit down with some time on my hands and watch the old shows that everybody always assumed that I did uh, and catch up. So it's a, it's a far-off goal in my mind, but I probably will do it one day. Cool. All right, well, obviously there's a point where you got involved in our paranormal universe. Mm -hmm. You wrote, for example, a science fiction novel with Jacques Vallée. Tell us mm -hmm. how that came to be. Jacques and I met on a project at Universal Studios called Messengers of Deception with uh, director Joe Dante was involved at the time, too. <clears throat> and Robert K. Weiss, who later went on to do sliders with me, was another person involved with that. And it was a conspiratorial piece, which was very unique in that it was sort of 50 or 60 percent conspiratorial uh, parallax view uh, three Days of the Condor kind of story. But then on the other hand, we took a very satirical uh, look at the UFO field, and we had a uh, Brotherhood of Galactic Science that was on television 24 hours a day uh, spewing sort of New Age beliefs and uh, and sort of a, it, was all, it was Jacques in my way to um, sort of lampoon some of the stuff that was going on in UFO circles at the time. Um, and that's where that all came from, uh, was that I wrote an original screenplay and then Jacques basically took it and adapted it into the novel Fast Walker. And that was the novel that we ended up writing together. Um, and it all came from the original script for Messengers of Deception. Did Fast Walker ever have a tendency of going into a movie or what? You know, uh... It really, it really wasn't 
looked at in that direction. I don't know exactly why. I'd have to kind of search my memory and try to remember why. But we weren't going to be doing Messengers of Deception because there was a big falling out between Joe Dante and the other producers on the project. And then they thought it was very expensive and everything, too. So Jacques didn't want to see it just kind of die on the vine. So then he adapted it into Fast Walker. A reminder, neighbors, if you have something to say about the Paracast, pro, con, and certainly we hope not indifferent, send your message to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And by the way, some of you ask us to let you in early on forthcoming guests so you can suggest questions in our forums or by email. Unfortunately, sometimes we book the guests at the last possible moment, but if we have the time, we'll let you know. We have Tracy Torme. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. 
It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Tracy Torme this week on the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. Our ever hardworking co-host is Chris O'Brien. Now, maybe we should pick up on some other things here involved in his paranormal pursuits. For that, Chris, take over. Tracy, I remember uh, distinctly when we met was at the, uh, uh, the Crestone 2 conference, I think, as we unofficially called it at the time. I think that was in uh, 1994. And you uh, kind of let slip that you were working on a very interesting uh, movie project about the Travis Walton case. Uh, mm-hmm. Fire in the Sky, which I'm sure quite a number of our listeners uh, have seen. And uh, mm-hmm. why don't you give us a little background information about your involvement with Travis and how the uh, the movie project uh, developed? Well, I went to Beverly Hills High School, of all things. Most people don't like to uh, admit to that. But uh, we used to have study hall where we could listen to the radio in our library. And I remember being at Beverly High and a story came across the news uh, on the radio about this uh, poor woodsman in Arizona who had been supposedly zapped by a flying saucer, taken away for days, and they thought that his friends had murdered him. That's where I first heard about it, and it just you know, really struck me like, wow, this sounds really strange. I've got to keep my eyes on this. So years later, I became very close with Bud Hopkins and got involved with a lot of abduction research. And I thought to myself, what's the best abduction story really to tell from a filmic standpoint? And I decided it would be the Travis Walton case. So I tried to call him and he had had an unlisted number for 10 years and he had just put his number back in the phone book like two days before I called him. It was one of those really uh, amazing coincidences. And I had to spend quite a lot of time convincing him that I wasn't out to rip him off, that I wasn't out to bastardize his story or anything like that, that I really wanted to do a faithful adaptation of it. And uh, so I had to earn his trust over a period of time. And so I ended up taking many trips to Arizona and ended up tracking down uh, a lot of the people involved, both pro and con, and just researched it and researched it and researched it until I finally felt I knew the story pretty well. And eventually we sold it to Paramount 
and uh, finally got it made after trying for about six or seven years. We finally got it off the ground. Well, I seem to recall that uh, there was some controversy about the actual film itself, that um, some of the scenes that were actually uh, used in the final cut of the film, uh, especially the scenes aboard the actual craft, uh, there was some controversy surrounding uh, the depiction of the events. Do you want to address that a little bit? I know it was... Sure, sure. That was a very, actually, very, very simple story was that uh, I had done a miniseries for CBS called Intruders. And by complete coincidence, Intruders was airing for its second time as we were in pre-production on Fire in the Sky. And somebody over at Paramount saw it and said, oh, my God, they've already done this. They've done this. They've done the little aliens with the big heads and the big eyes and the guy being you know, put down on the table and blah, 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 blah. So they went into a panic mode. They suddenly were thinking, uh-oh, we may not have a movie. And they came to us with a very stern uh, admonition, basically, to say that the alien sequences had to be changed. They had to be unique. They had to be different than anything we'd seen before, etc. So we were then in a real quandary because we wanted to stay true to the story and we didn't want to fictionalize. So we ended up working out a compromise where the director and myself and Travis, we all sort of quizzed him about some of the things he was feeling during his onboard experience, like a feeling of claustrophobia, a feeling like he couldn't breathe very well. And out of that came a scene where they put a mask over his face. And what I'm trying to, trying to tell you is that we... We sort of, again, uh, coming back to that word allegory, we kind of came back to an allegorical telling of his story where we changed the details and tried to recreate the feelings that he basically had while he was on board this um, craft or whatever it was. Uh, and, and we succeeded in the sense that it, it definitely affected Travis the, the way we were hoping it would. I mean, it really unsettled him and took him back to the night of his incident um, successfully. But there were a bunch of UFO people that were very upset that felt like we had fictionalized the story. And there was another example of Hollywood kind of going off the deep end. And at first I was kind of defensive about that and thought, you know, that it really was a small uh, small-minded attitude at that time. But you know what? Looking back on it, I can understand a lot better why it would have upset people. And if I really had had my druthers, I wouldn't have done it that way. But yeah. we really had no choice if we wanted those, to make them. Those scenes were so riveting in, in his book uh, and the descriptions of the actual experience are, are just, I think, so... I, they're just so in, just permanently written into the annals of ufology. Some of those details are just very, very, um, I think, iconic in, in in the way that they come across to the reader in the book. And and I could see why some people were a little dismayed by that. But at the same time, I, I also happened to catch, uh, just by sheer coincidence, um, I happened to catch, I think it was a Montel Williams show with... Uh, with Travis and, and Mike Rogers, and I seem to remember Phil Class sitting in the front row, just <laughs> dogging those guys uh, yeah. about it, <laughs> yeah. and and how Travis said, "Look, you know, it's how I felt. This really did capture how I felt." And uh, yeah, it was, it was really he didn't want to because, apologize. 
Well, it was funny because when, when the film first came out, the skeptics, um, I mean, the guys that are with Psychop and stuff like that, they really tried every trick in the book to try to discredit the film. I mean, it was really kind of pathetic to watch them go to work and try to smear everybody. And it, it just, I guess it shows that something about that story really frightened them because it, it, it was a hard story to dismiss, you know? Um, so... I, I, but again, going back to the previous point, I, I definitely can understand why people wanted it to be closer to the truth. And in our original screenplay, it followed his book description virtually 100%. I mean, it literally just blow by blow, we recreated everything he remembered. And then because of that incident that I told you about, uh, we just weren't allowed to do that. Well, this brings up an interesting point about the influence that Hollywood has on the creative process. And it's, it's been a bone of contention of mine, and, and I voiced it on a number of occasions on, on the Paracast here, uh, that Hollywood has a tendency to go for the entertainment value as opposed to the accuracy. And uh, it's really unfortunate that you were placed in a, in a position where you really literally, to save the project, you had no choice but to sort of acquiesce to their wishes. Um, what do you think about Hollywood just in general, uh, the way they treat the UFO subject? I mean, we've had quite a bit of, uh, of water go under the bridge. There's been a lot of projects over the years uh, that do um, you know, deal with this subject. Uh, what, what are your feelings? How do, how do, if you had to well, grade Hollywood, how, what would you say? You know, UFOs in general, I believe, are very, very misunderstood and misreported. Um, it, the the num number of people that really seem to have a good handle on what's really going on is pretty small. Everybody has their own opinions, and a lot of people are zealots about their opinions, and they don't really understand a lot of what goes on. And it's a, such a complex field. It really... It really is. You have to spend a lot of time separated the, separating the wheat from the chaff on all UFO stories. That's my opinion anyway. I, I, I really lost patience a long time ago with people that come along and say, oh, the aliens are coming from these you know, seven star systems, and here's what their names are, and here's why they're here, and here's what they're going to do. And whenever anybody seems to have all the answers to UFO questions, I basically tend to think they have none of the answers. That's yeah, run away. <laughs> I remember sitting with you in 1998 at the MUFON International Symposium in Denver, and the two of us literally got up and left because we just <laughs> we were so uh, just dismayed. And, and actually, uh, I seem to remember being uh, you know, kind of upset and, and angry at what I was mm -hmm. hearing. And I remember the two of us walking down the hall, just shaking our head, looking at each other, going, man, I can't believe this. Yeah, Where do you come down? Where do you come down? I mean, you've spent time with out-of-the-box thinkers. Um, I met you through Tom Adams, uh, one of my major early influences in my investigative process, uh, David Perkins. You've mm -hmm. uh, spent time with Jacques Vallée. These are all out-of-the-box, very open-minded, very uh, brilliant thinkers uh, in my estimation. W where do you come down? I mean, what does your gut tell you that we're dealing with here? I'll tell well, you what, before he gives that answer, when you ask a lengthy out-of-the-box question, the problem sometimes arises where we have to take an out-of-the-box break. We have Tracy Torme, writer and producer, joining us. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We enter our number two of the Paracast. The guest is Tracy Torme. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Tracy, we had a far-reaching question. <laughs> From yeah, Chris, a, and we've given you a little extra time to think about your answer, so go that ahead is with a it. Sixty-four thousand dollar question. I Actually, think. Yeah, nowadays in Hollywood, it's sixty-four million, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I think that it's the most misunderstood mystery in the history of the world. I really believe that, and uh, what you see is not always what you get, and it's got this weird combination of. Whenever I would go to a UFO convention, which I didn't go to that many of, but the ones I went to, I'd spend half my time being completely fascinated by what I was hearing, and the other half of the time just shaking my head and laughing because it just was so off the wall and so far removed from anything that I thought was accurate. <laughs> so I really, I really respect people that get through the maze of ufology and come out sane on the other side. I haven't flown off the deep end. I, I, the number of people that I've known who've really kind of lost their nut, basically, when they got involved in this field is huge. It's just, it's just the, the amount of people that go by the wayside who can't handle you know, all of the ramifications of this phenomenon. So what I really believe, uh, I have my own theory, which I could try to tell you, but I don't want to be too long-winded with it, but I have my own theory what is really going on. <laughs> but yeah, but that's what we want to hear. Yeah, okay. we want to hear the long-winded version, absolutely. <laughs> well, first of all, I really believe that one of the reasons, I, I'm, I have trouble with the idea of ma- major, huge conspiracies, okay? Whenever anybody believes in a huge conspiracy, I have a problem with it, because I just don't think that huge conspiracies are kept very well. I think they leak like crazy. So it's always kind of, baffled me how there could be this massive UFO conspiracy, but yet they keep the lid on it so well. And I tried to put those two things together for a long time and finally came to the conclusion that what if something is flying around here, and let's just start with 1947, say that it started then, which you know, of course is debatable, but um, something's flying around since at least 1947. It's not made in New York. It's not made in Moscow. It's not made in Beijing. Uh, it's from somewhere else, and it uses a technology that is beyond 
our major understanding. Um, what if the reason that the secret, the UFO secret, hasn't suddenly come bubbling to the surface, the smoking gun, is because there is no smoking gun. And what I mean by that is I believe whoever's behind the UFO phenomena has their own agenda. And their agenda does not involve landing on the White House lawn, and it does not involve going on the Larry King show, and it just does not involve, you know, telling various people all the answers of the universe who come forward and say they have all the answers of the universe. Instead, it is something that's extremely covert, and what we find out about it, we find out by accident, in spite of them, not because of them. They have a self-concealing way of doing this, and they really don't want a lot of attention. They want to be doing their own thing quietly and without, with as little interference from us as possible. So what I believe is, if you could get into the place in the world where we have the most UFO knowledge or whatever, you wouldn't have... Henry Kissinger and Richard Nixon and all the generals of the world sitting around keeping the secret of ufology. I don't believe in that. But instead, you would have some excellent photographs. You have maybe some pieces of wreckage. You have some pretty definitive proof that something is here. But that doesn't mean we know what it is and why it's here and what it wants. And I really believe that its purpose is so masked through a number of layers um, that it's guesswork as to, you know, who they are and why they're here and what they want. And anybody can have a theory. Some theories are better than others. But the basic expectation that there is a secret, that if you could just get your hands on it, it would tell you, why and what and how and when and all of that, I think there's a very possible that they don't know. <laughs> and I know that's not a very sexy theory or whatever, but it's very possible they know there's something here. They know they can't control it. They can't stop it. They can't uh, interact with it very well. But as to why they're here and what they want and everything, I think that's really open to speculation and has not been necessarily solved. And I think that's one of the ways that the secret is kept because there is no secret to keep. Well, of course, that may also work against the considerations of, well, if there is a Roswell UFO crash, we had to have recovered the wreckage. Maybe we transferred some of that technology into private industry. All this stuff going on, you're saying maybe there's no truth to any of that. Well, I'm saying if they found the Roswell crash, they would have something that they know, again, is not earthly-based. But could they tell you how it flies? Could they tell you what its power source is? Could they tell you what its home planet of origination is? No. I, I think that we, I think that could be the big secret to the whole thing because that's the only thing that answers the question to me of how do they keep the lid on this thing. They keep the lid on it because they don't have a lot of answers that they have to protect. Um, so please understand, I'm not saying for a second that it's not a real phenomena. I believe it's a real phenomena. I really do. Um, but I believe it's very self-concealing. And whatever we learn again, we learn in drips and drabs by accident. And that whoever they are and whatever they're doing, and I think you can make a good case that abductions 
is a key to this whole thing and that is at the centerpiece of this. But whoever they are, they want to do their own thing and they don't want a lot of interference from us. That's honestly what I believe. Now, when we get to abductions, it gets to be very controversial. Just the mere way of examining people who claim to have abductions can be controversial, such as using hypnotic regression. As you know, there are different points of view. We've had Bud Hopkins talk about using hypnotic regression to unearth so-called lost memories. We've had Kevin Randall saying, that doesn't work. What do you think? I absolutely believe that it has been an effective tool. Um, I worked very closely with Bud Hopkins for a, a number of years. I used to, when I was working at Saturday Night Live uh, in New York, I used to have, I used to just leave the office and drive down to Bud Hopkins' place and sit in on his hypnosis sessions and watch uh, these incredible, <laughs> incredible um, regressive sessions that they did, which the, the emotion level are so powerful and so real that you really almost can't watch a bunch of those and not have it affect you. I mean, it's really hard to watch that stuff and then come away thinking, oh, it's just fantasy or it's, it's, uh, it's not real. Uh, I, I came to believe it is real. I, I'm not saying, again, that everything we see is what we get as far as all the information we get, because I think, again, they are giving us information in, in like I said, in drips and drabs, and we pick up little pieces of the puzzle here and there and try to piece them all together, sometimes more successfully than other times. But as far as whether there's a real phenomena at the core of abductions, I absolutely believe there is. And, and I think that, you know, you can start to find some patterns, and obviously Bud Hopkins did a great job of finding patterns, finding like if you weren't taken as a child, you probably weren't taken, and that it's a generational thing, and it goes on from year to year, and they, they continually tag you like they would tag a deer and follow you up, pick you up. They have this incredible ability to paralyze people. That seems to be... In like 90% of cases, people just can't move when they take you on, which is quite a tool, you know. And um, so I'm a definite believer, and I know that Jacques Vallée disagrees with me about that and doesn't think there's anything to it. Um, but I personally have seen too much with my own eyes to, uh, to not be a believer that there's some reality to the abduction phenomena. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Tracy Torme. Writer and producer, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO.com at webtv.net that's mr ufo at webtv.net find out what they don't want you to know 
Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realist, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. What is the number one secret to all your health problems? I'll give you a hint. Dr. Alexis Carroll kept chicken heart tissue alive for 28 years in a test tube. He said the cells remained youthful so long as the metabolic wastes were washed away, but that when wastes were allowed to accumulate in and around the cell, the cell would age and then die. So the key to radiant health is cellular cleanliness and the key to keeping your cells clean of chemicals, free radicals, and heavy metals that we are bombarded with in our society is glutathione. This master antioxidant is required by everyone every cell of the body. Glutathione levels decline due to toxicity and aging. The number one food to replenish your body's glutathione levels up to 64% or more is unheated, grass-fed whey protein powder. This miraculous superfood may do more for your health than any other supplement you've ever taken. To get your free report of the best whey protein powder, call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworld, W-H-E-Y.com. Still worrying? From GMO to organic food in jeopardy, divided by economic turmoil, there is still an answer. With just a little knowledge easily acquired, you will literally see food everywhere. Author Linda Runyon has these skills from having lived this way of life and created the tools so you could too. Wild food is economical, nutritious, freely available, abundant, and free for the taking. It is a skill that takes little time to learn, but stays with you for life. And now for a limited time, it's all on sale. It's called the Buy Buy Old Website Sale. Can you guess what's coming? Absolutely everything's on sale across the board, including our already discounted packages. And you know, the holidays are coming up fast. We don't know if we're going to have another sale this year. This was the only one in 2010 so far. We've been lucky to keep our prices the same since 2008, but who knows what the future will bring. So go to ofthefield.com now or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE. That's ofthefield.com or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and cross food off your to-do list. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. 
We return with Tracy Torme, writer and producer. We're talking about science fiction and science fact, concentrating now on the factual part of the ledger. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so you believe what's going on, what they're bringing out. Now, of course, one of the other criticisms voiced about people who are not therapists doing this hypnotic regression, they may ask leading questions that cause people to say things they might not otherwise say. That's a real problem. That's definitely a real problem. Another problem is contamination. When I first started getting involved in this stuff, um, if you asked 100 people to draw an alien, you might have gotten 100 different responses. Now you ask someone to draw an alien and you got a guy with a big gray head and big black eyes, and that has seeped into the Americana, into the public consciousness. So you can't be sure that somebody hasn't read about this somewhere else or seen a movie or seen a special or whatever, and that they're not being influenced. So it's reached a point of oversaturation. You have to take things with more of a grain of salt, I think, than you did, say, 20 or 30 years ago. So there are definite issues, and I definitely think leading questions can be serious problems, as well as the technique that some people use when they do their hypnosis. It's not a perfect science, that's for sure. But at the core of it, again, there is a consistency to these reports and a cold, hard terror to these reports. Somebody in the book recently talked about my point of view on aliens and how it seemed to be so negative and it seemed to be so horror-based or whatever. And I guess it's true because I don't see the abduction experience as a positive experience for human beings. And I know a lot of people have tried to turn it into that and have said, if we can just get past the fear factor, um, then we can see that they're trying to help us and they're our space brothers and they're here to pat us on the head and lead us to the right way and cure our pollution and all that. And solve all our problems. See, yeah, I don't see a lot of evidence of that. I see people who are not necessarily being cruel, but they're not being particularly kind. And they basically have a job to do, and they're going to do it, and they're going to paralyze you, and they're going to take your blood and your, your ova and your tissue, your sperm, etc., and they're going to do it for their own purposes with a minimum of comfort, and they're going to give you a little pat on the head and send you on your way and erase your memory so that you don't even remember what happened. That, to me, does not bode very well for the human race, to be really honest with you. Well, you think that the, one of the other problems with abductions is the fact that there are so many of them. I mean, if we can believe all this, whoever is responsible, they're abducting mass numbers of people. Yeah, the numbers do seem to be too large. Um, and that could be, again, some miscalculations on people's parts. Um, but I do believe that it's more widespread than it was first imagined. I do believe that it's, it's actually infiltrated various levels of society. And, you know, I'm, 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 whenever I speak about abductions, it's like I feel like I'm in the twilight zone or the outer limits to my old favorite shows. I feel like I'm in an episode because it's so it's so fantastic in nature to imagine that there's some other race that you know picks us up, paralyzes us, does these things to us, and puts us back in our environment again. It it, it sounds like bad science fiction. It really does. And, and how I'm, do you separate Tracy the dream experiences? Because I had some people telling us abduction experiences, and I said, you know what? What if they had some kind of dream paralysis situation? Well, if you take 100, 100 abduction cases, you can throw out a good number of them for the reasons we've talked about, the contamination, dreams, 
fantasies, uh, delusions. I mean, I, believe me, I think that that exists, and I think that's a problem, and I think that there's a certain percentage of people that experience all of those things. So, again, I, I go back to separating the wheat from the chaff. You really have to search carefully and analytically and with your feet on the ground when you examine this stuff about which cases are quote-unquote real and which cases are not. And I, I basically believe from the experience that I've had, and I've been, I've been extremely lucky because people like Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs, and then there was some guy named Richard Neal here in Los Angeles. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But people that did extensive research on this, I really was able to watch them from a close distance and really analyze what they were doing. And I came away convinced that at the core of this, there's a real phenomenon. Well, then the, raise, the question we, of course, consider here is, all right, we have something going on that we don't understand. We have laymen doing a lot of the research, but what about bringing more professional therapists, scientists into this thing? Well, then you get into the problem that's the age-old problem in UFOs, where there's such a ridicule factor and such a fear of ridicule by mainstream scientists. I mean, it's truly kind of unbelievable how scared they all are of their reputations. And it's been a, a very small few that have, with good credentials, who've been willing to come forward and say, you know, there seems to be something to this. They're all terrified of it. Not everybody does what John Mack is willing to do. Um, and he paid a big price for it. So I think the UFO community desperately needs good skeptics, which it doesn't have, and it desperately needs good scientists, which it generally doesn't have. And that's a shame because they're missing the boat. They're really, there's really something going on right under their noses, and they're so locked in their own dogma that they can't see it. They can't see the forest for the trees, as they say. Well, Jacques Vallée brought up uh, several of these exact points uh, in our show with him, and um, and he did address the the whole issue of mainstream science uh, keeping this subject at arm's length, and and in most cases not even not even acknowledging it. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that struck me in your um, your book with uh, Vallée Fastwalkers was the very interesting detail of the uh, the biological nature of the actual craft. Mm. Uh, that was uh, that was I guess under lock and key and uh, being secured by by the, uh, the sort of shadowy military presence in the book. It's been a long time since I've read it, but who came up with that idea? This is one thing I wanted to ask before I forgot. Who came up with that that particular uh, twist? That, that, that I found that fascinating. That the the ship actually was a a, a biological um, entity that was uh, mechanical in nature but biological at the same time. Well, that was kind of a group concept that came out of many of our meetings where we were trying to come up with some new angles on the whole UFO phenomenon. And one thing that had intrigued us was the idea of it being biological in some way and that these could actually be living things rather than machines or some combination of both. So I think that that came from a lot of brainstorming over the course of the years on that project. That's my best recollection. Yeah, because I, I always thought, I, I found that particular aspect one of those things that I always have, have been interested in and look for when I when I read accounts uh, that, you know, over the years, um, occasionally that particular detail will come up where it seems that the ship uh, is able to respond to 
the thought processes of, let's say, uh, a contactee or, or uh, someone who's been abducted, or it appears the pilots of the craft are able to manipulate the craft in, in a way that, that would suggest that there's some sort of a, a biological uh, connection going on. We have a biological uh, connection, and it takes a couple of minutes to explain, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest is Tracy Torme, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We all know that Berkey water purification systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Do you want to get away from additives and preservatives in your food? Need alternatives to conventional food preparation? Do you want to save the fruits of your gardening labor? And are you looking for an excellent gift idea? Then check out the Excalibur Dehydrator. Dehydration is one of the healthiest, most cost-effective, and fun ways to feed yourself and your family. Make healthy snacks like fruit roll-ups and beef jerky. Store healthy food in case of an emergency with no added salts, fats, or preservatives. And save hundreds of dollars by drying it yourself with the Excalibur Dehydrator. The Excalibur Dehydrator comes with an industry-leading exclusive 10-year warranty. And when you order, you'll receive a free book filled with amazing easy recipes, a $25 value free for a limited time. Just mention coupon code GCN. Learn more and order your Excalibur Dehydrator today at dryin123.com. That's D-R-Y-I-N-G 123.com. Dryin123.com. Or call 1-800-875-4254. That's 1-800-875-4254. Season's greetings and health and wellness from Excalibur. Excalibur Dehydrator. Extend your life with Extendovite. After my second heart attack, I knew I needed more help than I had. That's when Extendovite came into my life. Made from garlic, cayenne, and five other herbs, I started to feel better in a very short time. My name's Don Wiskin, and I'm here because of Extendovite. Extendovite gave me more energy than I've had in years. 
I am the only one in my house right now that's not sick from colds or flus. And I owe that all to Extendivite. My name is Rick, and I'm healthy because of Extendivite. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit the website at heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P dot com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We return with Tracy Torme. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, you want to pick up further on this line of questioning? Well, um, I had a very interesting case that um, I, I personally, you know, have, as many of the listeners know, have um, had quite a few hundred uh, investigations under my belt and very, very few claims of abductions. I've had a few visitation cases. Uh, again, they're very rare. But one of my more perplexing cases uh, featured a very, very intelligent Menza, actually, society member uh, who was taken aboard a ship. And, and the detail that, that he was able to uh, relate to me that, that suggested some sort of biological connection was the very thinking of something he was able to – he thought of, of, of gold, of like treasure. And the ship instantly went and then was able to expose with some sort of penetrating radar-type equipment a, um, a lost treasure hoard. Uh, below them, about a thousand feet, they were hovering over this thing in a ship. And uh, when he tried to figure out how the ship was doing this, the ship responded by masking all the controls and, and masked uh, any sort of instrumentation that was there. But he, he said it was almost like it was alive, that there was some sort of living, uh, it was almost like tissue that was involved and not something that was purely mechanical. So this is an example of some some sort of biological component that, that may exist uh, in theory, and uh, I just I brought that up because I, I was very fascinated with that particular detail in Fast Walkers. I thought that that was quite ingenious uh, mm-hmm. as a plot element, but but it did sort of resonate with me in terms of some of the cases that I personally have investigated. Mm-hmm. So that was my point, Gene. Okay. <laughs> I said we, we don't talk about the biological aspect of this phenomenon very very often when it comes to the actual. Uh, you know the actual gear, the equipment, the uh, the craft themselves. Uh, it yeah, is something that comes are, up. People are probably more comfortable with the nuts and bolts, you know, angle that it's machinery and that uh, it's just an advanced piece of technology. Uh, but you know that that famous old saying of future uh, science would be indistinguishable from magic. You know, there's a lot to that. Just try to imagine 100 or 200 years ago explaining the concept of television or telephones or, you know, the idea that you could talk to someone instantly at the other end of the world by picking up a device or watch them on a screen or whatever. That that would have seemed completely beyond, you know, any possibility, and yet there it is. So I think that, you know, as science progresses, a lot of these things will, um, you know, the possibility of biological, of a biological component to this is, you know, very possible. 
Okay, you know the late Ivan T. Sanderson speculated about living UFOs. Don't know I if you recall that, yeah. that. Yes, yes, yes. So did Trevor James Constable, too. Indeed. Right, the space critters. Right. right. So is it possible yeah. UFOs then are living creatures? Certainly one of the possibilities. The other is that the entities allegedly seen within them are robotic. I'll tell you guys an interesting thing that Gene Roddenberry was extremely anti-UFO, which surprises a lot oh. of people. I, I, really, I really let them down by telling them this, but he was not only like anti-UFO, he was like angrily anti-UFO. He called me in once and said that he heard that I was working on this fire in the sky thing and how hugely disappointed in me he was and how you you know that all of those things are nonsense and they're only seen at four in the morning by drunken farmers in Nebraska and no credible person has ever seen a UFO. And Besides, what's wrong with a drunken farmer in Nebraska? <laughs> but uh, he was really anti it. And what I, what I learned that was really fascinating was we had a... Uh, we had a group of consultants that worked on Star Trek that worked with JPL, and they were on call for us. So if we ever had a technical question in the scientific nature, we could call them and pick their brains. And you know, generally, like I would call and say, I need to do this in this story. How do I make it scientifically credible? And then they would brainstorm with me and go over different ways to do things. So over the course of time, I got to know a bunch of these JPL guys. And I discovered that they all, all of them, thought UFOs belonged right there with leprechauns and goblins and the Loch Ness Monster and was just the biggest bunch of nonsense in the world. And here were all these really bright guys, okay? And they were so badly misinformed. I mean, they would spout those same kind of, you know, things uh, of like saying... Nobody ever sees them except drunken farmers at four in the morning, and they're never seen on radar, and blah, 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 blah. And I had a great time over the course of years turning them on to some cases, you know. I remember the Lonnie Zamora case in Socorro, New Mexico, which has always, in my mind, been one of the most important cases ever. Uh, turning them on to it and saying, okay, tell me your explanation for this. I really want to hear what this was. And I gave them all, you know, a bunch of written material on it and had them study it. And they were very uneasy <laughs> because they couldn't really come up with a simple, quick answer. And they were very surprised to find that there were such cases, that it, there was some solid evidence somewhere with physical, you know, components and things. And that just goes to show you again that the, the anti-UFO, you know, contingent, whether it's official skeptics or just the average person on the street that you know that thinks it's nonsense, they're extremely badly informed. I mean, they really they don't they don't understand anything about the phenomena. Do you guys know Seth Shostak? Well, it's kind of hard to avoid him. Yeah, well, you know, I did a convention with him, and he went off again. You know about treating UFOs with me, like, how do you, you know, what's next, Bigfoot? You know, I mean, it's just 
putting it into the category of the ridiculous immediately. And I'm thinking, you're spending all your time listening to radio telescopes to try to hear a whisper from the stars to prove there's life, and something else is going on right under your nose that you have no interest in, none whatsoever. You know what's ridiculous is, is thinking radio waves are being used by aliens. That, that to me, is even more ridiculous. Yeah. Could well, be. that's because they want Seth to be able to hear them. They have something <laughs> to say for him. Yeah. They want to tell him where to go and how to get there. Yeah. So I, I, I always find that when you meet people that are really anti-UFO and are intelligent people, that they're almost always extremely misinformed. They just don't, they don't understand. I mean, if you just showed someone the amount, I mean, a guy like Ted Phillips, who all he does is, you know, physical trace cases, and all he has is, you know, tons of soil from all over the world where the soil has been chemically altered by something, you know, uh, at a sighting. I mean, how do they explain that? Of course, they Ted Phillips has been on the Paracast a couple of times. We've had a, quite a bit of a chance to talk with him and go over his research. I understand where you're coming from. Let's go back yeah. to the government, though, because a lot of things occur to me. Okay, the government has nothing to disclose. But what about government disinformation, pulling pranks, yes. throwing things into the wilderness to confuse everybody? Yes, I believe in that. I believe that there is a certain amount of government disinformation. And I think it's all part of the same thing. In other words, if 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you came to the conclusion that something's flying around from somewhere else, okay, you quietly, you know, tabulate your reports and your sightings and you, you get a database going. And at the same time, you just in a very subtle way push disinformation on the public, on the general public. And that the combination of those two things is what keeps the whole subject in a layer of fog, you know, and I think that it's very effective. So I don't get me wrong. I, I do think there are people in the know who are hiding a secret to some extent. And the secret is, yes, there's something real here. I'll tell you but what, secret here's is something very real, ladies and gentlemen, and that is we have to take another break. Tracy <laughs> Torme joins us. <laughs> the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? 
Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. If you're not satisfied with how your skin is aging and want a healthy, youthful glow with immediate results, get a facelift from the inside out with Visori. Like a mini facelift, only without needles or surgery, Visori is a revolutionary youth rejuvenation skincare system that's proven to work for your money back. Visori is all natural and chemical and preservative free. It helps reverse damage to complexions as a result of aging, stress, lifestyle, and pollution. Visori reduces skin pore size, firms, lifts, and tightens, leaving you with soft, silky, shiny skin and looking years younger. You may have seen Visori reviewed by CBS TV News. Now see how Visori is helping men and women get a fountain of youth facelift at avatarfacial.com and click on CBS TV News to see video of the amazing Visori skincare system. Call 888-203-5278. That's 888-203-5278 or go to avatarfacial.com spelled A-V-A-T-A-R facial.com and click on CBS TV News. Visori, the fountain of youth facelift. Okay, I want to address the skeptics listening to talk radio. You hear multiple commercials on products that make you feel better and help you lose weight, but you don't believe it. Companies come and go. Well, people, I understand. You really are desiring a product that works, but you're tired of getting burned with substandard quality, gimmicks, and three to six month get involved contracts. Life Change Tea is different. I speak for Life Change Tea because I lost 25 pounds, lowered my blood pressure, and blood sugar levels. I sleep well at night knowing Life Change Tea customers are receiving a real product that works, customer service, and customer satisfaction. So here's my spiel. Test us, try us, and receive results. And if you don't try us, that's okay. And if you do, you'll be a happy tea customer getting healthy. So order now. Call us at 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408 or you can log on to getthetea.com that's getthetea.com in my opinion you won't be sorry the GCN radio network providing the world with hard hitting talk radio GCN great talk radio starts here this is the Paracast you never know What's going to happen next? I want you to notice this, Tracy Torme. Every time Chris says the Paracast, the voice gets deeper and deeper throughout mm, the episode. Yeah, okay, I will notice that. Right. Well, you know, it's <laughs> after a while, of course, you know, it just sort of, you know, it washes over you like water over a duck. Okay, so the government pulling things. I was even suggesting in some of my speculations offhand that the government is engaged in pulling a few abductions of its own. That's been a rumor. That's been something that's been kicked around, and there have been some abductions where it does seem there's some kind of government involvement in it. Boy, you're really off in that palace of, we- of mirrors 
when it comes to stuff like that because uh, who knows? I mean, who really, who really knows? I certainly don't for sure. Uh, so I would say that's possible. One of my favorite scenes in the old X-Files show was the military uh, guys that are dressed up as aliens conducting, uh, you know, an abduction. And then the, a, a, real, a real craft comes down with this kind of science fiction monster, comes out and abducts them. I, I always felt that was, <laughs> that was a really brilliant uh, twist by Chris Carter. That's great. Poetic yeah. uh, justice. One of the things that I, I must mention, uh, kind of just quickly uh, touching back on our prior conversation, um, terms of real good cases. Uh, Leslie Kane just came out with a very good book, a bestseller on the New York Times bestseller list called UFO. And uh, some of the cases in there uh, are just absolutely sterling. Uh, it's very, very difficult to, to argue with, with some of the information that uh, was very meticulously researched and placed in that book. And, and I think as time goes on that we have more and more quality data coming out. And I think a lot of what you're referring to in terms of the tone and uh, the giggle factor in the scientific community and the mainstream is is just basic ignorance uh, people mm -hmm. just don't they just don't know that there is quality data out there to uh, to really look over and ponder and uh, one of the things that um, I feel is is really kind of taking us down the wrong path right now is the whole idea of exopolitics and this idea that the government who's been probably lying to us to a certain degree for 60 plus years that even if they do come forward and come clean with what they know, how are we ever going to believe them? They've been lying to us for 60 years. What do you think about the whole disclosure uh, movement in exopolitics? Um, I'm not that familiar with what you're, you're talking about, the exopolitics. I'm not, I'm not sure that I understand uh, what that refers to. I don't think they do either. <laughs> <laughs> I get the impression here it's basically of movement to try to understand or to formulate a policy about how to deal with E.T. But oh, they seem saying. to have yeah. a feeling that they already know who E.T. is and why they are here, so it's like having an interplanetary embassy, or perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I Stephen Greer, 2.0. It sounds a bit misguided from what you're telling me about it. And, uh, yeah, I have to think about that one for a while. I don't have an immediate reaction to that. That's something I'm not that familiar with. So well, Maybe you're better I'm off. I remember a very interesting uh, exchange that you and Stephen Greer had back in 94. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that's the type of thing that kind of drives me nuts um, in the field. Um, I want to hear that, Tracy, because of the fact that Greer was here a couple of times on the Paracast. In the second and last appearance, he was practically yelling at us. So tell us about this encounter. Well, we had a conference up in Crestone. It was a sort of an informal conference, and there were maybe, what, uh, 20 people or so that attended. And this guy comes marching into the conference, and he's just spouting off about everything under the sun, like, again, uh, somebody who knows all the answers again. And uh, then he started saying some things that just really bothered me. He claimed that on his drive to Crestone that the aliens were flying above his car and they kept, man you know, maneuvering into the C-SETI logo that he uses above the car as kind of like a... Uh, an, an homage to him or a tribute to him or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you talk about self-serving. 
you know, give me a friggin' break. It's like, you know, so somebody who comes in and makes that claim right off the bat was, you know, it was really already kind of on my list. And then from there, he went on to say that uh, abductions, the, the, the negative stuff we got out of abductions was just due to our monkey brains, people's monkey brains, that's the expression he <laughs> kept using, because they were really here to help us and they're really here to save the world. And it's only our immature fear factors that are making us color these abduction cases with negatives. And, and he, he just, you know, wouldn't stop. It was like all night long. It was one theory that I really didn't want to hear after another, after another, after another. And all with the attitude of, I'm the one that knows the answers. I'm the only one that knows the answers. Now I'm going to share some of my endless knowledge with the rest of you cretins here, you know? So I just immediately kind of had to challenge him and started to, you know, nibble away at some of the stuff he was saying. You were taking you were taking major bites, Tracy. Uh, remember, yeah. remember his 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 comment that he keep kept repeating over and over. Now this is I I forget the exact date. I think it was the spring of '94, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. he was saying 90 days. I guarantee it. There will be disclosure in 90 days. Yeah, he kept saying. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was such a bunch of nonsense and. Really, again, very arrogant, and again, coming forth with this attitude of, I have all the answers, so just listen to me, and maybe some of my genius will rub off on you. And it's like, you know, I'm pretty tolerant with most people, and it takes a lot to get under my skin, but this guy was right off the bat. He was so anxious. He had a bunch of sycophants that were following him around everywhere, like, you know, and I was thinking, the emperor has no clothes. This is really... This is really not cool at all. Um, and then he was, when I left the room, a friend of mine said that he went off on a long harangue about how I was a well-known CIA agent and that I was, the position I was taking was because of my CIA connections and blah, 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 which is really one of the more boring, <laughs> one of the most boring false charges you can go into. It goes back to the Stone Age. Well, maybe they um, owe you a few paychecks at least. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I know you work in Hollywood, so of course sometimes getting the money is difficult. So you call your <laughs> friends over at Langley and say, "Hey, you owe me a few thousand here, guys." Yeah, bring me my Samsonite well, with all the the old Bens in there, you know. That was actually the second time I had the CIA thing. The other guy that claimed that I was with the CIA was John Lear. And John Lear was telling everyone that would listen that I was a, a really well-known CIA agent. So I went right up to him and I said, so, John, I understand you've outed me. Uh, you've, you've revealed my secret to the world. I'm a CIA agent. I'm just curious, how did you, how did you come to that conclusion? How did you blow my cover? And he said, well, you're friends with Bill Moore, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, that's it. You know, if you're friends with Bill Moore, you're in the CIA. I said, oh, okay, well, thanks for sharing that those pearls of wisdom with me. So, you know, it, occasionally you come across this kind of stuff in this field, and that's when I feel like quitting. Like, I feel like I, I don't ever want to attend another convention again because it's just such a big waste of time. And there's so many people 
who seem to be so anxious to say so much and have really nothing to say. And that's the other thing is you, you really kind of, you know, you really kind of have to be careful with what you take in and what, what is passed on to you as fact, you know. So it just goes to show you this two people, you know, going around telling anyone that will listen that I'm in the CIA. I hate to break it to you guys, but I'm not in the CIA. So there you go. And if you were, what were you supposed to be doing? Making a few science fiction movies that's going to persuade the public of what? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, isn't, you know, seriously speaking, I know you worked very hard on some excellent projects, but in the scheme of things, television is disposable, kind of. Yeah, right? that's, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, it's entertainment. Yeah. I mean, it can lose what you make it. And you're always, if you're working in television or movies, you're always trying to do something with significance. You know, you're trying to do something that's going to last, that's going to make people think, that's going to affect people and make them laugh or cry or whatever. So that is one of the goals of what you're doing. But it doesn't always work out that way. Well, I'm kind of a television junkie to some degree. And my wife is as well. And we get to watch a lot of the pop culture shows. The one thing I do notice is the production values of TV today slicker than they used to be. You know, mm -hmm. quality of acting, quality of performers. A lot of people who are movie actors decide to try it in television. And it gets to be quite interesting, quite entertaining. Tracy mm -hmm. Torme, writer, producer, joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We are going to have a test one day to see how low Chris can go with his voice. <laughs> how deep. He's got a limbo while he's doing it. Exactly. That's right. He has to do the limbo. How low can yeah. you go? Exactly. Tracy Torme is our guest. We're basically <laughs> having fun with Chris O'Brien, our co-host. I never have fun. <laughs> it's like the remark that Q says to James Bond, I never joke, 007. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> We're talking about pop culture, but also the influence of Hollywood on the media. And I guess one of the overarching conspiracy theories has it that Hollywood is one of the mechanisms to engage disclosure. So you see things happening in Hollywood films, 
and suddenly that is supposed to represent our potential reality. What do you think? Are you trying well, to educate us that, that way? Well, the rumor that's been going around for a long time that, you know, the government is ready to do full disclosure and they're using people like Spielberg and others to uh, get the public ready to accept the awful truth or whatever. Um, you know, that's been going around for so long. I mean, that's something Linda Howe was spouting off to me about 25 years ago that, you know, any day now the big disclosure is coming. And um, I was skeptical of it then, and I'm skeptical of it now. Um, because if, if my theory is right, then there is no single big disclosure. There's just this general truth that has been suppressed. And um, I don't really see, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't really see that momentum heading toward telling everyone the truth. Uh, I, I see the opposite. I see that they, they're just as clamped down on whatever it is as they've ever been. So I'm less and less optimistic that, you know, in my lifetime or whatever, we're going to get to the totally to the bottom of this. Unfortunately, I would have thought 20 years ago that we were pretty close, but I don't think we're any closer now. So I think that it's, it's anybody that really wants to try to get to the bottom of the UFO mystery has to be very diligent and patient and take their time. And maybe be a little crazy. That doesn't hurt. And maybe have heirs so they could spread their wisdom and have it carry through to the next generation. Unfortunately, there was no next generation, I guess, for Major Donald Kehoe. He was telling us back mm -hmm. in the 50s, there was a silence group in the book Flying Saucer Conspiracy. The government would eventually realize the wisdom of telling us E.T. was here. Mm -hmm. And all his successors and his signs and everyone else said the same thing. And we don't see it happening, but then we have people like Jacques Vallée say, it's, you know, it's a whole lot more complicated because we've had UFOs from the dawn of our history, UFOs in antiquity, like his new book, Wonders in the Sky, with Chris Aubuck as co-author. So looking at it that way, if UFOs have been so ubiquitous for so long, you know, is there a secret any government can unearth? That's a great question, you know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure that anyone does, to be honest with you. No, um, I think but, they know a lot more. That's why they're a lot more confused. Mm, <laughs> it could be. It would be, it would be really great to know what they know, I mean, to really, really know what they know. Um, but recently there was a thing on, I'm trying to remember what it was on, on TV, talking about the plans for what SETI will do if they ever get a real signal. And what was interesting and disturbing to me was there were all kinds of layers of secrecy that were coming in of, you know, if, if they did get a legitimate signal and they knew it was legitimate, that only certain people in the know would be allowed to know about it at first for quite a while. They would keep the information from the public and et cetera. And that's pretty... You know, that's pretty telling in a lot of ways, because um, you can't really be sure that that hasn't happened. You can't really know 100% that that hasn't happened. I, I personally don't think it has. But that but raises the bigger question, Tracy, which is, if SETI gets the signals, they can't tell you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it they becomes a joke, and what you would probably do to hide that information is to continue looking, or pretend you're looking. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that makes total sense, yes. 
Well, that's so the first it, time I've made total sense this week. <laughs> you know, I keep I trying, mean, but people say, you know what, give it up, man. It's not going to happen. Is there sense? No, you'll I mean, get there. It's, uh, it's definitely a possibility that, that they have, you know, come up with something that would be really eye-opening and that they're not sharing it with the world. But who gives them the right, basically, to sit on information like that? It's kind of disturbing. It's very totalitarian in a way, you know. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of the information that's out there that's uh, being held uh, clandestinely or secretly is is probably in the private sector because uh, you don't, you know, the public doesn't have recourse. Uh, We can't file Freedom of Information Act requests uh, to Northrop or Boeing or Lockheed. So there's a good good possibility. I was curious about something else involving our discussion of abductions. Has it gotten around in general amongst ufologists or people interested in this, the the true story of Barney Hill and what he went through during his abduction? I mean, is that story, I know when it was first told to me, it was sort of clandestine. It was sort of wanted to be kept, kept quiet. But I wondered if it's if it's gotten around um, and I wanted to ask you guys that. Well, maybe tell um, us the story that we're not hearing. Maybe we can then determine well, that. When Bud, when Bud Hopkins was first finding his patterns, okay, he was very upset with the sexual angle of it because he thought people were going to think he was completely nuts and he was not comfortable about it. But he said that you know everybody seems they seem to be taking sperm and ova from everybody, and. One of the things that was noted was that nothing like that had ever happened to Betty and Barney, or to Betty, uh, Barney Hill. And then it just recently came out when they were going through some of the files of Dr. Benjamin Simon that there was one key thing that was suppressed from the book and suppressed from the transcripts because Barney Hill was a religious man and this was just too difficult for him. And he describes them, you know, artificially ejaculating him and taking his sperm and how humiliating it was for him and how disturbing it was for him, what an invasion of his privacy it was. But I thought, wow, you know, for people who think that abductions are fantasy-based and that they're not real, what are the odds that Bud Hopkins finds that detail, is uncomfortable with it, and doesn't know that there's any connection whatsoever to uh, Barney Hill. But Barney Hill went through the same thing back in the early 60s. And to me, it's details like that that assure me that there's some reality to this. It's just too big of a coincidence again and too off the wall. So uh, when I first heard that, I thought that was really fascinating uh, that that detail had been suppressed. Did they suppress it? possibly because of the fact that it would just be too sensational? Well, I was told he was suppressed strictly because he was so embarrassed by it. He insisted, if you're going to write a book about us, you've got to leave that out. And that that was left out until long after he died and after Benjamin Simon died, and that's when this sort of fact was discovered. But if that's the truth, if that's the way it came down, <laughs> that's, again, that's, to me, that's quite a coincidence if this is all a bunch of nonsense, it really uh, has an air of reality to it. I think that's really important. Speaking of airs of reality, I guess some of the things we pick up from people like Jacques Vallée or John Keel 
is that there's a cultural aspect that what we see in UFOs mirrors our cultural expectations, so maybe we're not perceiving the entire reality. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, very similar. What I think of that. I sure do. Uh, yeah, it's very possible. It certainly seems like there is a reflective quality to what we get from the UFO incidents. Um, like they're in some ways they're holding up a mirror to us. Uh, and that they are responding to things that we do, you know, sociologically. Um, so I think that's very possible. We have other possibilities to discuss. A reminder, if you want to post messages about various topics that interest you, we have forum.paracast.com, forum.paracast.com. Sign up and join in on the fun. Tracy Torme is our guest. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realist, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. 
SIG.com. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig for today's modern smoker. Forget everything you've been told about long-term food storage. When all hell breaks loose, you'll need the single most effective way to get high-powered Delta Force nutrients to your family fast. Like any Special Forces Commando, you need a plan. You need a Black Hawk Down food plan. Introducing the Survival Sprout Bank from Solutions from Science. It's your countertop survival garden. Yes, grow fresh greens right on your countertop in just a few short days. Sprouts are the green shoots that emerge from newly germinated seeds, and they are powerhouses of living, easily absorbed nutrients. The Survival Sprout Bank is a complete kit with nothing else to buy. And with sprouts so easy to grow, even children can grow emergency food. Call 877-327-0365 or go to survivalsproutbank.com. That's 877-327-0365 or order online at survivalsproutbank.com. Survival Sprout Bank, your Black Hawk Down emergency food plan. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. Chris is trying real hard. He's doing pretty well. Yeah, how about (laughs) the Paracast? The Paracast. (laughs) You want to try, Tracy? Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm leaving that one up to you guys. That's right. He's the part of this trio. We're the three musketeers. Too insane. You know, we have Insane, Insaner, and Tracy. <laughs> Tracy Torme is our guest. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host here in the Paracast. We're exploring the more unusual aspects of UFOs that the phenomenon mirrors our expectations. So we see gods in ancient times. We see leprechauns and all other creatures in the Middle Succubus. Ages. Vampires, Succubus. werewolves. Yeah, don't forget succubus. Uh, maybe uh, the modern succubus is like an alien hand job or something. Uh. <laughs> well, I definitely think that goes into the lay territory. Oh yeah. I mean, he he definitely has always felt that uh, there is a sociological aspect to this, and that it mirrors uh, our society. And um, and you know, Passport to Magonia is a book I remember of his that details all of the. The fairy like, you know, encounters that he thinks were now connected with UFOs and uh it's boy, you know, it's it's part of what keeps it interesting. I can't possibly say that I know that to be true, but is it possible? It definitely is possible, you know. So it's interesting to delve into stuff like that. It's like with the ancient astronauts stuff, when people ever ask me what I think of the ancient astronaut stuff, I say, you know, I'm a complete agnostic on it. I just think it could have happened. It makes a certain amount of sense. But we're dealing with things from such a long time ago 
that's gone through such a game of telephone over the course of the years, you know, that I don't know. I just just keep an open mind to it and think it's possible, but can't really say that I'm a believer in it, so to speak. Okay, yeah, and uh, having said that, we just lost one of the more um, celebrated figures in the ancient astronaut uh, realm in terms of how it might involve the you know the modern UFO, and that is of course Zechariah Sitchin, who just died recently, right. and. Uh, right. And Sitchin uh, has taken quite a bit of knocks, as uh, has Eric Von Donneken over the years. But I find that the subject uh, has legs. Uh, the History Channel two years ago did a, a special called Ancient Aliens, which was the highest rated show ever in the history of the History Channel. So they went ahead and signed a season of it. They did five two-hour episodes, which were immensely popular. They've gone into a second season. There is a tremendous audience for this line of thinking, uh, there is a lot of speculation out there that, that we may be on to something with this line of thinking. Um, I kind of doubt it myself personally. I think if something from out there coming immense distances uh, would show up, I think it would be a big deal. It would be more of like a childhood's end scenario or an Independence Day, large ships hovering over cities, that sort of thing. It, it just doesn't make sense that you have such a, a clandestine sort of subterfuge going on. If it was something that was coming uh, many light years away, there's just something that just doesn't add up with that. But mm. the whole ancient astronaut uh, scenario does have a lot of legs. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's we're going to see more and more, I think, entertainment geared for that line of thinking because there is such a big audience for it. What do you think about yeah, that? I've seen those shows. I've seen those shows you mentioned. Yeah, I've been watching those. Yeah, it's it's definitely end, endlessly fascinating. It's a really interesting area, um, and it makes a certain amount of sense. Obviously, when you look at our past history and and the idea that we were influenced way back when, um, I just don't know. I really don't know. I'm fifty fifty on it, you know. And they found the daughters of man fair. <laughs> <laughs> in a biblical sense, you know, maybe right. we are a progeny of aliens. I, I keep telling people, hey, what do you mean do I believe in aliens? We're the aliens. <laughs> They're probably more terrestrial than we are. Could be. That could they be. seem to be around a lot, so. Yeah, how could what, we what do you it? think, Gene? Except that we were seeded by microbes from meteorites from Mars. That could I be I always too. loved the Villa Boas case, you know, where she uh, she grunted like an animal. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the reverse is true. We found the daughters of aliens... Fair. Okay, so, we like those space women, you know. There's something about them. I always think that sometimes my wife's logic is from another planet. Another planet, yeah. I, I think <laughs> women women are from another planet. I go along with that. Okay, well, that explains all sorts of things, and we really <laughs> won't enter into that. Let's enter into some more of the various permutations about the UFO mystery. And one of them, of course, is... Shaping Public Opinion. And as I was talking here, I was looking over an article online. I look online just to kind of get a sense of what's going on, but also because it helps me with the research. And there's an article published this week in a newspaper in Utica, New York. And the first sentence, you don't hear much about UFO sightings nowadays, at least not like during the heyday of the flying saucer scare in the 1950s, and the height of television's The X-Files in the 1990s. Do you perceive then, Tracy Torme, that maybe the UFOs have largely left us? That's very, very interesting question, um, because, you know Carl Flock? You guys know him? We know of him, yes. 
Yeah. He had a theory uh, a while ago that they had left. He le- legitimately was going around with the theory that said something was here, they were here, they've gone. Wherever it was they've come from, they've gone back to it, and it's why we're having a de- decrease in number of sightings and et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I mean, that sort of opens a whole can of worms um, as to whether that's true or not. And I don't know if that fully answers your question. You might want to rephrase it to me because I might have gotten a little off track on it. But Well, the key being then, if UFOs have left us, how do you explain the sightings that are still going on? Yeah, it's, it's, it's usually in this field, you're not going to find one answer that sort of cookie cutter answers everything. So the answer is they've gone. You know, generally, I would generally be somewhat skeptical of that because there's just so many, so many permutations to the sightings and the record of sightings all around the world. And can you really say that they've really gone? I mean, can you really make that statement and be sure of it? Um, no, of course not. But it's an interesting theory. It's, it's, it's sort of a linear theory that goes in a straight line and sort of, well, they were here. Now they're gone, you know. It's sort of comforting in a way because it, it, it again, makes some sense out of all of it. And I do, I have to admit that as I consider myself a skeptical believer, so I tend to find that I'm on the skeptical side of many people on the pro-UFO community. Um, and... Uh, I, I believe that phenomena is real, but I also have my own limitations on it or whatever. And, boy, I was going to make a really great point here, and somehow it's, it's escaped me. Uh, what were we just talking about? Right. <laughs> Sorry about this. You might not want to, to worry, this. not to worry, but we'll have to do yeah. our station break anyway. Yeah. We have Tracy Torme. He's a writer-producer. He goes back to the days of Star Trek Next Generation, one of those responsible for the holodeck. In fact, this is a holodeck. <laughs> I'm Gene Steinberg. Here by Holography is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel? or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Is it really possible to get out of debt without payment plans or attorneys? 18 years ago, we developed a program that has made thousands debt-free in just 90 days. It's called Zero Debt in 90 Days, and it works for all credit card debt, medical bills, even collection lawsuits. When I first joined, I was being sued, so I used the program methods 
and after filing one piece of paper, the collection lawsuit was dismissed. With zero debt in 90 days, your success is guaranteed in writing. There is no other program of its kind. Don't be alone when creditors gang up on you. Let our team of experts provide the resources to fight back and stop creditors in only 90 days. Guaranteed. Prevent wage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now, 800-477-9256, and ask for free information from an expert who also completed our program, 800-477-9256, or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com, 800-477-9256, or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. M10 gas masks are three for $30, and Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179, 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. That was a holographic representation of Chris O'Brien, our co-host. The real deal. Tracy Torme is our guest. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. And we were just going into that theory, but then, okay, let's bring it to the UFO field. Obviously, we depict a holodeck in the 23rd or 24th centuries on the Star Trek Enterprise. But what about in reality? What if UFOs, maybe they're a hologram of some sort to divert our attention from that which is happening elsewhere? Because so many of the UFO events seem to be repetitive. The creatures come out of the craft. They pick up the soil samples. They go back in the craft. They take off over and over again. What do you think? Yes. Yes, that's very true. That is, that is puzzling and that is disturbing. And uh, 
that's fodder for the skeptics again, that there's just too much, <laughs> you know, I can understand that. And that's, that's just, to me, it's just another sign of how this is such a multifaceted question and it's such a possible thing to get a real handle on. There's just so many areas of it. If somebody really decides to devote their lives to trying to get to the bottom of the UFO mystery, uh, they could start tomorrow and still be working on it years from now. I mean, that's how much material there really is. You know? Well, Richard Hall, for example, considered a very serious UFO researcher. He starts in his 20s. He dies in his late 70s. He's still at it, but he got nowhere. Mm, boy, that's depressing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I kind of think to myself, I'm back to doing what I did when I was 21 years of age, working on radio. I Speaking of Richard Hall, though, it reminds me of Hynek, and, you know, I think that I got to know Hynek really well shortly before his death. I would say I knew him maybe three or four years before he died, and I uh, had some great, great conversations with him and found him to be very engaging and very personable guy. But I, one of the things I also like to tell the skeptics is, here's the guy who had the access to the most information. Um, and was started off as an arch skeptic and finally reached a point where he said, I can't do this anymore because there's, there's just something to this. <laughs> I can't go around saying there isn't any longer. And I do think, by the way, that the Zamora case was what really turned him around more than anything else. Why wouldn't the guy with the most information say, oh, this is all a bunch of nonsense and it's all fantasy and et cetera, et cetera? But if anyone should have said that, it would be Heineck. But he said exactly the opposite. So to me, again, that's, that's some pretty good proof that there's something to this. Now, as I recall, when I talked a few times to Dr. Heineck, I didn't know him that well, I got the impression towards the end of his life, his viewpoint had gone beyond the basic ET and into maybe interdimensional whatever. What do you think? What kind? Yes, of, I think so, that's true. Sure. He, he definitely had expanded into he was actually getting interested in the paranormal stuff like that towards the end of his life too and what the paranormal connection was to UFOs but i definitely think he started to move away from the nuts and bolts thing and into a more esoteric type of beliefs so that's that's also you know very interesting too um and uh, I, I was really just very impressed. And actually, I don't know if you guys knew the Lorenzen's at all or not. Uh, not but. in a way that I'd like. Jim Lorenzen was a great guy. Carl Lorenzen <laughs> basically personified Krusty. The Krusty right. old woman, she didn't like me, I didn't like her. Where do you go? I had a great experience with her, actually, where I spent a whole day with her in uh, Tucson. And we, I just picked her brain for hours and hours, and I got her on a good day, you know, and she was extremely friendly to me that day and very open about everything. And just a walking encyclopedia, you know, I mean, anything brought up in the subject, she had a tremendous knowledge of. But I know she rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I, I've heard that many times. But I had a great experience with her, and, um, you know, people like her and Heineck, I definitely think they're missed because the really great skeptics that I was hoping were going to come along really haven't materialized. I mean, I'm still amazed at how <laughs> how really lame so many of these skeptics are. They're just, they don't do good, tangible arguments, which UFOs need. UFOs need good skeptics. 
the whole field desperately needs good skeptics. And I keep hoping that we'll find them, but it just doesn't seem to happen. I think part of the problem with the UFO field is people are so busy fighting each other over much more trivial issues, <laughs> they don't consider the larger stuff. They don't consider, you know, let's figure out what's going on. Let's get to the bottom of it. Can't we get along? No, because they're selling their books. They're looking for glory, and they're not looking for answers. There's another factor here, too, that a lot of people, when they get too close to the UFO mystery, it screws them up. I mean, they pretty much think now that they're part of a small group that knows the truth with capital T, and therefore they've got to kind of look over their shoulders and check their mail and check their phone lines, and somebody's out there monitoring them. If I could count the number of people that I've literally seen go off the deep end who seemed reasonably together previously, you know, I'd have to count for a long time. That's one of the weird offshoots of the phenomena, really. Yeah, yeah, I've known one or two myself uh, who yeah. literally just fallen off the deep end with it. Yeah, one, yeah. One thing I always wondered about Coral Lorenz, and I've heard so many stories about how she was uh, fairly difficult to get along with, I always wondered if maybe Linda Howe took a workshop with her at some point. And, <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, no, Linda. We, we love okay. you. We love you, girl. We love you. <laughs> Even if you are the dragon queen of ufology now, you've taken, <laughs> taken the mantle on, but... One thing that I think people lose sight of is the possibility that we are dealing with such a multifarious uh, scenario that it's infinitely more complex than we could possibly imagine, that it's ultra-terrestrials, meta-terrestrials, extraterrestrials, us coming back from the future, uh, uh, subterranean crypto-terrestrials. Who knows? Maybe it's, it's a combination of all the above, and there is no even one even a chance of a one-size-fits-all answer that as soon as you Mm -hmm. it's like uh, going to the carnival and hitting those little woodchucks on the head as soon as you hit one another one pops up in the other spot so yeah you know that's that's a theory i don't hear very many people come up with it's it's like what do you mean none of it's true it's all true you know that sort of thinking and that's that's a an avenue of of discussion i think that you don't really hear that much anymore that everybody wants it to be so easy and so uh you know, one size fits all, then maybe it's just infinitely more complex than we could ever possibly imagine. I know that you guys uh, interviewed Jacques uh, recently. Were you able to get to the bottom of his theories? <laughs> I don't think Jacques has gotten to the bottom of his theories. Um, he's uh, very good at what he does. He represents himself uh, very elegantly and is... Uh, is very good at uh, talking about these things without really divulging too terribly much. But mm-hmm. one thing that he did say was he didn't really feel that uh, there was really much hope for any sort of disclosure process and that um, he did sort of lament um, and echoed uh, in many ways what you've been saying about science and the skeptics and mm-hmm. how, how scientists just aren't, uh, they're dropping the ball and that we need uh, we need to uh, to get uh, everybody involved from both sides of the aisle, so to speak. Well, and, you know, and also to be fair to these skeptics and to be fair to the debate about whether this stuff is real or not, which, of course, is at the crux of the whole thing. You know, I'm disappointed that there aren't more videos. And I know people will say... Well, there's been a lot of videos and, you know, whatever, and you can you can make that case, I guess. But with the proliferation of video cameras 
And the amount of things that were flying around here, at least at one time in our past, you would just expect that there would be some video that would just be captured that would be definitive. That you'd just see something and you'd know for sure that's a real phenomena, that's a real UFO. And I think that, that again, it might have something to do with the self-concealing nature of the phenomena. The phenomena has has a way of cloaking what it what it does. It's meant to be. It's meant to be cloaked. It's yeah. part of the plan. Maybe we'll get into more yeah. of this in a moment. Tracy Torme is the guest. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? <laughs> the answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. You may not be thinking of lead and brass as precious metal investments. And you may not be thinking about ammo when we say battery station. But you should, because Battery Station has a large inventory of the most popular calibers. Just go to BatteryStation.com and click on Ammunition. There, you'll see where Second Amendment patriots invest in precious metals for 380, 9mm, 40 cal, 45 ACP, 38 special, 357 magnum, 223, 30-06, 308, and more. Be sure to look for the October GCN specials in blue boxes, too, at BatteryStation.com. We shoot what we sell, and all Battery Station ammo is all factory. No reloads. You'll enjoy great customer service, great prices, and fast shipping. Plus, all orders over $30 will receive a free patriotic flag. So invest in gold and silver. But don't forget about investing in lead and brass, too, at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799 or go to BatteryStation.com today. 
In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. He almost did it, ladies and gentlemen. Chris (laughs) O'Brien almost got to the base portion of the spectrum he's trying his best i give him another 25 years and i think he'll get there tracy torme is our sounds guest. pretty reptilian to me uh reptilian yeah oh, gene steinberg you're in the paracast yet. chris you were about to say <laughs> i haven't done that one yet i'll save that one for last reptilian well you do the trickster but that's not reptilian is it uh no the trickster is different I kind of modeled the trickster after one of our original co-hosts, uh, <laughs> but uh, who, who, who shall remain nameless. Uh, <laughs> he who but, shan't be named. Yeah. Or, we don't want to go into all that. But I do want to go into this. If you want to express your views about this show or any show, send it to news at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at theparacast.com. Okay, in the last portion of this episode, Tracy Torme, obviously UFO investigators are really not getting anywhere. Maybe the phenomenon doesn't want us to get anywhere. They just want to take us to the next level, whatever that might be. And we kind of think here that so many UFO researchers have come and gone. They've tried. They've really given it their all and sometimes screwed up their professional lives as a result. So Tracy Torme... What do you think? How do we get to the bottom of this? Can we? Is this just an endless quest without any reward? Well, because I believe there is a real phenomena, and because I believe that at the core uh, it, it does exist, then I always have some hope in the back of my mind that someday that wonderful smoking gun will come forward, whether it's a video or uh, an event or something witnessed by a number of people or whatever. Um, and there's always the chance that that's going to happen, because if the phenomena is real, then there's always a chance that it'll be uncovered. Uh, unfortunately, that momentum that it seemed that the field had going for it, going back to the Close Encounters days and whatever, where everyone was just anticipating this great disclosure that was going to happen, that seems to have come and gone. I mean, I don't, you, just don't, you just don't feel the momentum of that anymore. 
I, at least I don't. I don't know about you guys, but that's 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 my take on it. So it's a mixture of being discouraged and encouraged. You know, you're encouraged because it's real and the truth shall hopefully come out at some point. And then you're discouraged because it seems like every time you take a step forward, you take two or three steps backwards and you're farther away from knowing what it's all about than you were when you started. And so anybody that really wants to get to the bottom of this had better have a lot of patience and some pretty strong mental abilities so that they don't succumb to the craziness. And I, I think if you don't have patience in this field, you've got to go get some, you know? You just have to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, or become one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As someone who has navigated battle. the highways and byways of Hollywood deal-making, and you've been... Say that again? Now, Sorry? can we get you maybe allocated or commissioned to fix up the UFO field? And if you have that job, and you probably won't take it, that's one assignment you won't accept even if the message self-destructs in 10 seconds. What would you do to fix it all up? Well, the first thing I would do is I would change my ways as far as how you tell the world about the UFO phenomena. You have to, you have to be careful to rein in people that are just going off the deep end, the Stephen Greers of the world, who will make every possible claim under the sun because the art bells of the world you know art bell used to drive me absolutely crazy because he would just never ask a tough question it's like you could say lizard men are landing and flying saucers outside my door every night and taking my bottled water and he would be like fascinating that's wonderful or he'd say do you have any hobbies (laughs) (laughs) but so it, it needs it needs sharp minds it needs a definite uh, pinch of skepticism. It needs people to realize that the incredible claims need incredible proof. I agree with that. I think that's true. It's just the PR battle is being lost steadily over the years. And, you know, when you look for a UFO book in a bookstore, a lot of times you have to go to the occult section. And that's wrong right there. You know, that shows you what a pseudoscience it is. It's not considered to be a real science. So that's one thing. Another thing I would try to do is I would try to enlist some really, really good scientific minds and try to get them to get beyond their fear of ridicule and to take a real look at some of this stuff. I love the Zamora case because... There's multiple witnesses. There's burn marks on the ground. There's a great witness. There's a police officer with no imagination. There's all kinds of reasons to like that case. And I love to challenge skeptics and say, tell me what this was. And I've yet to hear anything that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. So getting people to face the really great cases and the really great evidence and to approach it level-headedly and with a, se- a sense of balance. I mean, now these are all things I'm saying that are easier said than done. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I have like the magic formula to make this all happen. But the subject in general needs to be elevated, it needs to be treated with respect, and it needs to be seen as the greatest mystery of its time, and it's an unsolved mystery. And we should encourage people to get involved who have good minds, who can make some sense out of it. 
unfortunately, there's far too few. Yeah, and also uh, we need to find a way to dampen down and some somehow negate the pop culture programming that people, uh, the up-and-coming generation is getting front-loaded with. There's so many um, just watered-down generalizations uh, that are being force-fed, I think, uh, younger people. And I think it's it's not being taken seriously by the uh, by by younger folks, and that's going to be a real problem as we go down the road uh, in this mm. in this quest and in, in this process. It's it's going to just wither on the vine until something lands on the White House lawn, or mm-hmm. you know, in Red Square or something, or in Tiananmen Square. I mean, um, short of that, I mean, uh, it's. I think you're right, Tracy. It's looking bleaker and bleaker because we're. Everything's getting watered down. It's not being taken seriously, but you gotta you gotta keep the faith. You gotta, you gotta keep you know positive attitude about the whole thing. If you don't, then uh, you know you're part of the problem. Well, don't you agree that a short while ago there was a sense of momentum in the air that we were heading towards an answer. We were heading towards a disclosure. The truth was coming out. They were preparing yep. everybody for it. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And after a while, I just start to roll my eyes because I heard it way too many times before. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, with it all seems to go respect, about every 10 years. About every 10 yeah. years, there's an ebb and flow. And as soon I as 9 11 happened. To, with all due respect to Linda Howe, I, I was friends with her when. Um, you know, some of these clandestine people were contacting her and making her believe that she had been, you know, specifically chosen to tell the truth to the world and all of that. And I remember at the time thinking, I bet you that's never going to happen. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to have been right. It's just uh, a lot of manipulation of people go on in those areas and uh, egos get involved and uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. It's a constant uphill battle. Like you said, it's mm. two steps forward, three or four steps back, it seems. But it's worth it, though, you know? I think it's yep. worth it. When when a really great case comes along, what in the world is more interesting? I mean, you know, it's just, it's interesting from so many, le- and so many levels yep. when you get a really good case to just try to get to the bottom of it and figure out what's the... F- thought process behind it and what do they want and what are they doing and why are they doing it you know it's it's a great great mystery you know yep. um so that that should keep people coming back for more hopefully that keeps yep. you coming back for more okay let me ask you are you going to set up a website maybe someday that will allow you to post your thoughts about this because you don't really have a site now do you no, it's something I, I've actually toyed with, and I probably should do that one day. It's some something on my list to do things, yeah. Definitely, we'll help you. Uh, we'll help you. Chris and I will help you set up that site if you need to. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of the stuff you do? Well, we live on a strange planet, and I have a website called OurStrangePlanet.com. It is a strange planet. It's your strange planet, and it's our strange planet. Okay. A special thank you from my co-host O'Brien and myself to Tracy Tormey. Thanks for joining us for a special, enjoyable episode of the Paracast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, fellas. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. 